This podcast is paid for by Kindrel. Whether it's to receive a parcel from overseas, take public transport, or use an FPOS machine, Kindrel helps businesses imagine things differently. Kindrel designs, builds, manages, and modernizes mission-critical technology systems that the world depends on every day. With an ecosystem of partners and intelligent technology practices, Kindrel unlocks new possibilities to drive your business forward. Discover more at kindrel.com. I'm Seamus Byrne coming to you from Gundungra land and this is the Tech Pulse podcast presented by Guardian Labs and paid for by Kindrel. The Tech Pulse podcast is produced on Gadigal land. Cybersecurity has gone from the problem that won't go away to become a discussion of brand confidence as more incidents are reported and bigger brands see their data stores being breached. So how do businesses better prepare their defenses and for what to do on that day when the worst occurs? And how do you find the right tech talent when many skills are seeing 0% unemployment rates? We're talking to two leaders in the areas of cybersecurity and tech skills to give us their insights on the best path forward. Scarlett McDermott is the Chief Technology Officer at With You With Me, and Chris Lovejoy is the Global Security and Resilience Practice Lead at Kindrel. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you, Seamus. Good to be here. So, Chris, um, what's your sense of this increased rate of breach announcements that we've seen lately? Is security failing or is something else at play here? Um, no, I, it's really not um, necessarily a change in the frequency of the breaches. I think it's really a reflection of kind of the changes in definition from a regulatory perspective of what a breach is and the increased obligations for organizations to actually disclose a breach. And so I think it's, um, you know, unfortunately, this stuff has been happening for a long time. We just didn't know. Yeah. Uh, Now, Scarlett, uh, With You With Me has a great vision for better digital skills development. What's working there taught you about the skills shortage discussion and how best to meet the tech needs of businesses? Thanks, Seamus. Working at With You With Me, we've really found across all of the markets that we work with and across public and private sector, there's no shortage of people who want to work. People want to work in high quality technology jobs, and there's certainly no shortage of businesses that are looking to fill these kinds of technology roles. What we're finding is really missing is the ability to get people into those jobs. So the training component, as well as the recruiting component, So sourcing talent and actually getting people in the door is really where the challenge lies, particularly in cybersecurity recruitment. This podcast is paid for by Kindrel. Whether it's to receive a parcel from overseas, take public transport or use an FPOS machine, Kindrel helps businesses imagine things differently. Kindrel designs, builds, manages and modernises mission-critical technology systems that the world depends on every day. With an ecosystem of partners and intelligent technology practices, Kindrel unlocks new possibilities to drive your business forward. Discover more at kindrel.com. Chris, your job title puts security and resilience together. Can you talk about how the two ideas relate and how businesses should be thinking about them? Yeah, great, great question. Um, And in all truth, I'm lobbying today to have the name of our practice changed from security and resilience 
to uh, cyber resilience. And the reason is because uh, cyber resilience, which is really a subset of operational resilience, is all about enabling organizations to anticipate or predict, to protect, withstand, and then recover from any and all cyber-related events that may impact digitally enabled services. So think about cyber resilience as being the intersection between security, business continuity, and disaster recovery. Um, and you know, a lot of this uh, this field has really come out of um, some of the new regulations that are appearing uh, in Europe through DORA, as well as in the U.S., you know, within the banking institutions. Um, but a very, very important field that really um, thinks about security in a more pragmatic and risk-oriented way, in so much as... Um, instead of thinking about how to just protect a business service, it's all about understanding, number one, what are the business services, understanding, and this is, that's a key point, by the way, because a lot of people don't understand what makes the business tick. Um, so in addition to understanding what makes the business tick, understanding what are the threats to the business service and the continuity of that business service? What are the threats to the data that is processed you know, within the context of that service? Then implementing the controls to protect the, the service as well as the data, and then to plan for the recovery of those services in the event that something bad happens. And so that that is, in a nutshell, cyber resilience, and uh, I think an important um, evolution in our industry. Mm. Now, so what parts of the cybersecurity issues that we're seeing at the moment are questions of the right skills versus the right plans? I think that the problem we have today is one of complexity. And the complexity is driving to a large extent the skills shortage that we're seeing. And I talk about this quite a bit, the, uh, the way the industry has is evolved. You know, it is a largely has been historically a compliance or a crisis driven buying occasion, meaning people don't buy unless they have to. And when they buy, they buy the minimum solution that they can afford to buy to plug whatever gap it is. And so over time, you have a plethora of security tools that have been integrated at the same time, what's happening within our organizations is we're kind of undergoing this exuberant innovation phase. And this was largely driven by COVID. We had to roll out new technologies to support new ways of working, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, our legacy real estate is also increasing. Stuff is just getting older. So you've got this kind of perfect storm where you have lots and lots of legacy technologies, lots of new stuff that was rolled out without security control. Oh, by the way, lots and lots of security technologies that are required to actually monitor and manage those those systems. Um, and so how is it that you can actually afford to find all the skills necessary to deal with all of those point products? Yeah, that's it's a tricky scenario. So, you know, Scarlett, with that in mind, at this complexity uh, that Chris is talking about, you know, do you think there is actually a mindset shift needed in the business world when it comes to what they think they need from tech-skilled workers compared to what they really need? That's a great question again, Seamus. And the point about complexity is so important. When we're looking at bringing people into the technology workforce, if we're only bringing people from university, that's something, but they're bringing a limited experience. So it does drive us to want to look at a broader range of people to bring in. 
So perhaps people who are career changers or people who are coming from a break in their working life, coming back into technology with a broader perspective that perhaps know a little bit more about the business that sits around the technology rather than just the technology itself. Yeah. And now, yeah, with you, with me does take an interesting approach to that idea of transferable skills and finding the job fit for tech workers. You know, how are you seeing skills transfer from other fields into different parts of the tech world? We work predominantly with military veterans and we see a really great translation of military skills into the technology workforce. And the reason that is, is because no matter what role you're doing in the military or in any other job, whether that's something because, you know, traditionally analog as riflemen all the way through to signaler, um, every job is digital now. When you log into work, you're logging into a computer. When you're managing your supply chain, you're managing it digitally. Even to the extent of battle space management, all of this is happening digitally. So we're seeing people coming from different backgrounds, but they've already got a much higher level of technical literacy or TQ, your technology quotient, um, than what we've seen in the past. So bringing people in from those different backgrounds um, is actually getting, in some ways, easier as we go. They're having a higher level of digital literacy and the tools that we're using are becoming um, higher level in some cases. So you don't have people tapping away on DOS terminals um, to do basic jobs anymore. Yeah, now, I mean, Chris, when you're thinking about what Scarlett's saying there, it strikes me that security spaces are fundamentally about policies and and getting settings right and hopefully in an automated way so that you know it's going to work very effectively and efficiently over time. So, you know, does it strike you that that skills kind of transferability there uh, that she's talking about actually makes sense from your side? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think this is, you know, what we, uh, you know, unfortunately get wrong about this, the security industry is that, you know, we have these tropes that the industry is all about the hacker in the hoodie. And, you know, to combat the hacker in the hoodie, you've got to, you know, sit in a, in a room with blinky lights, and you have to monitor these crisis level events and respond really quickly. It ain't that way. Um, The way, you know, it works is, it is a process of managing risk. To start, you have to understand what is the business and what and who are the customers that you serve. How does the business work? What are the technology systems, the people and the data that are all sort of intertwined in that business process? How do I understand the risk of the business process? Guess what? Those are not highly technical skills. Those are analytical skills um, that are required. You need people with business experience. You need people with technology experience. You need people with people experience so that they can train. There's a lot of different skills that are required to make all of this hum, if you will. And so I do think it's important to consider the transferability of the skills in this quotient because, you know, at the end of the day, this isn't a technology problem that we have to solve. It's a business problem we have to solve. And you have to have some business people within that context. Yeah, and look, that's a really great point that you make there as well on the the training aspect, because of course, you know, it's one thing to institute certain cybersecurity policies. It's another thing to know that whatever scale your team is at is actually going to adhere to them and is going to understand why they've become so important, right? Oh, that's so true. Yeah, and I was talking to somebody earlier today, and we were. You know, person was asking me, you know, what, what proportion of incidents are enabled by, you know, some sort of human being making a mistake? And I would say "Mm, 99.999% of them. 
And so at the end of the day, in order for us to sort of get our arms around the security problem, training is an incredibly important part. I always liken this to kind of a viral model where in order for us to sort of immunize ourselves against attack, what we have to do is we have to look at the people that make it possible for the bad guys to get into our organizations and immunize them. To do that, you have to train them. So training, again, is one of the most critical components of any overall security program because it's about making people understand they're part of the army. They've got to, they've got to participate in all of this. And by the way, there's sort of a, another thing to think about, which is the more control that you put on an end user, the more likely it is that they're going to go around the technology controls to get their job done, or alternatively, they're going to make a mistake. So, you you know, working in security is all around finding that balance between risk and reward and understanding that your your efforts, and they might be sort of positive efforts, they might have unintended consequences, don't get you to the outcome you were looking for. Yeah. So yeah, Chris, what's your sense of the importance and value of diversity in tech teams? You know, how does the way we think about tech change the way we execute and build the resilience we need? Oh, absolutely critical. And I think, you know, again, talking about one of the sort of challenges that we have in the industry is you find the quintessential security person, then they're very guns, gates, guards, you know, all threats are bad and we must protect ourselves by all costs. And where I've seen, you know, programs work more effectively is where you have a balance of thought and you have more pragmatism. That pragmatism can only come by people with different levels of experience, um, different ways of looking at the same problem and ideating on, you know, different ways to solve that problem. And so that diversity of thought the, um, is absolutely critical to any well-functioning uh, security program. Mm. So yeah, Scarlett, I'll ask you the same question. You know, on that the value of having you know a diverse tech team. Well, Seamus, diversity and performance are intrinsically linked. You know, there, there's often this idea that we've got to have diverse teams because you know someone said we had to do it, or we've got a policy that says we've got to do it. But actually, you know, it's in the numbers. It's in business performance. It's in innovation-based revenue. It's in you know, high-performing teams, even in military environments. If you have a high level of cognitive diversity, your team is more prone to approach problems in unique ways or innovative ways to keep ahead of what in security we have, you know, ever-evolving threats. And criminals have a very diverse team, you know, people who are adversaries or even, to Chris's point, the complexity of the systems that we're looking at is ever-increasing. So we actually need teams that will look at things differently to how we've done it in the past. And the quickest way to that is cognitive diversity in our teams. So it's critically important. Mm. I've often heard uh, stories of yeah the the least technical person in a room sometimes in the middle of a of a, a crisis situation maybe having the thought is it because that cable over there isn't plugged in because everyone else is thinking too high level about so true <laughs> what's gone wrong. Um, so Scarlett, to help wrap up here, you know what's your message to business leaders? Uh, when it comes to their hunt for the right people to add to a tech team to solve the big tech challenges? My message is pretty simple. If we keep doing the same things and looking in the same places, we're going to keep getting the same people. But the truth is there simply aren't enough people coming through traditional um, graduate methods, perhaps, of recruiting. So we have to look somewhere else. The market is telling you that you have to do it. And 
we've found great success in looking at groups based on their potential rather than their experience because there aren't enough people who are going to meet those gates of what we traditionally put in a job description. Um, so we need to look at people from backgrounds like military leavers or mothers returning to work or the neurodivergent community or women going into technology. And it might be a bit outside of your comfort zone, but there really is no other alternative. You must look at new sources of talent to continue to meet the needs that you have as a business. Fantastic. And and Chris, what's yeah, your advice to, I guess, those non-technical leaders for how they should be thinking about security concerns right now and how to get the right advice to feel a little less worried and, I guess, get on the front foot? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, first of all, I want to just say, Scarlett, um, amen to everything you said. And it's very, very well put. Um, the only thing I would add is that, you know, and, and I want to circle back to one of the first points I made about the complexity. For non-technical people, just recognize that the way in which you approach an IT strategy to enable um, business services is critically important. The more complexity you have in the IT assets and processes upon which your services depend, the more you need people to actually manage those processes and those technologies, the more expensive it gets, the more complex it gets, the harder it gets to find those people. So one of the things that I would argue is that simplicity actually helps you manage risk. And so when I say that, I know that sounds a little bit trite, but it is absolutely key. I would not, I tell most organizations, do not walk, run towards transformation. It gives you an opportunity to clear the decks, get rid of the old stuff, to build it the right way. Now, we could talk about that part all day long because there are some gotchas there. However, by simplifying your environment through digital transformation programs, what you're also able to do is you're able to simplify your talent needs because less sophisticated technology underpinnings means less people, less cost, et cetera. Fantastic. Look, I super appreciate your time and I'm sure many people are going to find this enlightening and hopefully adds to their capacity for how they get on that front foot and, uh, and make some smarter decisions about security with confidence. Scarlett, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on Tech Pulse. Thanks, Seamus. No worries. Thanks for having us. For more conversations like this, search for Kindrel Tech Pulse podcast on Guardian Australia or wherever you get your podcasts. The Tech Pulse podcast is produced by Guardian Labs Australia. It's hosted by Seamus Byrne. The Guardian Labs producers are Alison Tanner-Disastro and Jody Weatherup. The executive producer and Guardian Labs head of content is Justine O'Donnell. Our sound recordist is Dan McHugh. Our sound editor is Mel Chun. And the Tech Pulse podcast is paid for by Kindrel. <laughs>